everyone, this is Lauren with the Author Podcast Show, and today I'm going to be interrupting spooky season in the short horror story features um, to bring to you a new author that just had a debut novel come out. His name is Christian Fescht, and the, um, the book that he wrote is called Annals of Ludinia, which is an epic fantasy tale that came out on October 7th. Uh, the recording that you're going to be listening to actually was done before the release of the actual novel, but that book is now available on Amazon if you'd like to go check it out after listening to the episode. He's going to give us a lot of insight on how he created the story, what inspired him, and more. If you want to know any more about Christian Fescht, I'm going to leave social media links and his website in the um, bio of this episode. So, without further ado, sit back, relax, and enjoy the episode. Hi everyone, it's Lauren Eason here at the Author Podcast Show, and today I'll be interviewing another author who is currently releasing a debut novel. So, go ahead and introduce yourself. Hello, I am um, Christian or Chris, whichever one you um, would like to remember me with, and I will be releasing my debut novel, The Annals of Ludinia, on October 7th on Amazon, on Kindle, and on paperback. That's really cool. Congratulations on that. And can you tell us a little, about, a little bit about the story, like um, a summary of it, or, you know, the genre? Yeah, it's an, an epic high fantasy story like it's inspired by a lot of past authors and it generally revolves around a mythological theme about conflicts between gods about um how gods created humans and other different species and how they manipulate them to kind of execute their will and it uh, it's mainly about a god called Darzengol who has vision of the world being corrupted and he believes those visions 100% that they will come true and he grows distant from the other gods and starts conflict with them um, not realizing that he is actually the main cause for the world becoming corrupted. Oh, wow. So it sounds like kind of a hubris thing going on, huh? Yeah, sort of. I mean, it's uh, inspired by a lot of sort of old high fantasy authors like C.S. Lewis and J.R.R. Tolkien, as well as some mythologies from Europe and also from like East Asia, because uh, the gods, they themselves do not represent different elements they represent different concepts so like the god of order or the god of chaos mainly oh okay is this um is this uh set in a entirely new world um like yes yes Yes, it's set in a completely different world, in a completely different world from our own and features creatures that don't really exist in, like, where we live on Earth. Oh, wow. Are, would these be any creatures that are kind of pulled from mythology as well, or did you completely make those up on your own? No. 
Um, mainly, they uh, those creatures come from mythologies, but I've put a, a kind of a spin on them to make them a bit more original. And uh, over time, some of the creatures evolve into like completely original beings that do not exist in like other mythologies or other stories. Oh wow, that's really cool. Um, what would you say your favorite creature is in the book? Um, I would say either humans or, um, or generally the dark elves, because over time they will evolve into completely like different creatures and will not even resemble what they were at the beginning. That's really interesting that you say dark elves, because in a lot of stories that I've read, the elves are always like, the white knights of the stories. So are these like completely different? Well, there will be light elves as well. Uh, the main idea behind the, um, behind the dark elves is kind of like that evil cannot create anything original, that it can only mock what is good already. So um, the dark god that I have mentioned um, created them as a mockery of the other gods. Oh, that's a really interesting concept. So what inspired you to write this kind of story? Um, I used to read a lot of fantasy stories when I was younger and I um, wrote a few short stories which I never really completed or wanted anyone to see but over time I wanted to write a story and for like months I didn't have any ideas and then one evening I just decided to sit down and start writing 10 words became 100 words, 100 words in one day, I think, in the first day, I think I wrote around 800 words. And then I was like, maybe this can, this can be something. Wow. How long did it take you to complete your story? Um, mind you, there were a lot of studies in between. So it's roughly 40,000 words long. And it took me about a year and a half to complete. Oh, wow. Are you planning on having any more um, stories in that same kind of, uh, like in a series, or is this a standalone book? Well, at first I thought it was a standalone book because around the middle of it, I thought I was running out of ideas. But um, later on, I just started writing down sort of short stories based on it. So I think that it still has quite a bit of potential. So maybe if um, the first one does relatively well, I uh, might do a sequel. Oh, wow. Well, that, that'll be interesting. Um, so do you normally uh, write and read uh, epic fantasies or do you have a, other genres that you like? Well, I mainly like um, epic fantasies. I'm also into science fiction, but... I also quite like historical fiction and stories that were 
um, inspired by historical events because I study history at university and it's a big hobby of mine. Oh, okay. What is, um, what's the last book that you read or you're currently reading? I am currently reading um, Spark of Life by Irish Maria. It's a um, it's a book released post World War Two about um, a prisoner's experience in a labor camp. Well, it sounds like you have a lot of different genres that you like to read in. Um, even though epic fantasy is probably your most preferred, is there um, a specific book that's um, epic fantasy wise that you is one of your favorites? Um, I think it's very hard to choose because there's a lot of great epic fantasy books and there's a lot of great authors out there. But I'm going to go with a safe classic, um, J.R.R. Tolkien's Silmarillion. I just really admire the level of story build, uh, world building and sort of setting up the story for what was going to be in like the Lord of the Rings and such. Oh yeah, there's so much world building in, in uh, his stories. Um, would you say that, the, uh, that your book is um, kind of similar in regards to um, Tolkien's kind of stories? Yes and no, it, it does have some similarities, but um, I mean, uh, in these times, I don't think there are many fantasy authors who weren't at least a little bit inspired by him. I agree with that, too. Um, him, C.S. Lewis, I mean, even some of the other people. Um, yeah, so would you say that your story is more um, literary-based versus dialogue, or is there a lot of dialogue in the story? See, I've been trying to figure that out as well because the um, the book is split into two parts because the first part follows one main storyline and the second one follows another storyline, but they all kind of lead to the same climactic event. So um, I would say that the first one is more sort of based on dialogue and just setting the world up and the second one is based more around action and dialogue and the second one has more content in it if if that makes sense yeah that does so um in your book that's coming out um who who's the main character is is it the god um it's like messing up and now it's trying to fix it <laughs> <laughs> Um, no, it's the um, king of human uh, of um, like the only human realm. His name is uh, Kryngol. He he was very inspired by like historical monarchs and um, fictional monarchs, as well as a little bit by me because I started writing it when I was. Um, uh, in in the early stages of being 17 and well 
a lot of my personality subconsciously flowed into him, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. Um, I know that a lot of authors kind of do the same thing where they, you know, make the hero of the story based at least in part on themselves. Um, who doesn't want to be the hero of a fantastic tale, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yes. So, um, so I know that you said the book is going to be on Amazon. Are you just stopping with Amazon or are you going to go with Barnes and Nobles and stuff too? Um, at first, uh, I'd like to stick with Amazon, but maybe if it does relatively well, uh, well maybe I'll move on to like other r- platforms for publishing. Oh, okay. Okay. Well, Amazon is always a good go-to. I mean, I think they sell like 80% of the books around the world or something. So, I mean, you're doing pretty good with that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, um, but yeah, if you ever do decide to, uh, into other markets definitely uh let us know for sure um i know some people like to do apple books and Nobles. so if you're thinking about doing another you know platform i would suggest those two. Oh, okay i'll look into them thank you yeah no problem so do you have like an official author website um yes i recently set up a wordpress site Okay, what what's the name of your author website just for any of our listeners? Um my first name and my last name, Christian Fechtwriter.wordpress.com. Oh, perfect, perfect. And what can we find on your website? Not a lot. Um one uh, the main the uh, the main site is like the introduction for me, a very short one. And um, there, there are also links to my um, other social media platforms like Instagram. And um, I also leave short blog posts on like um, personal stories about writing and um, advice for any writers. Oh, perfect. Do you have any other like short stories or anything else um, floating around? Uh, that, um, you know, any readers can go check out until your book is, of course. Um, I used to have one, but I think I deleted it because I thought it was pretty bad. Oh, (laughs) well, but you do have a blog on your website um, with the the writing tips and stuff. Yeah, I, I mean, writing, it's a learning curve, you uh, when you start it's never like the best version of what it can be and only in like the middle or like late in the story do you really like develop your own style i feel like i would agree it's taken me years to figure out what kind of style of writing that i have and and even over the course of those years it's changed i think i I think the more you practice the better you get Yes, I would agree on that. So um, you said you had an Instagram account. Do you have any other social media accounts and any of the uh, listeners can follow you on? Um, as I said, I, had, of my inst- uh, I have my Instagram account. I um, also have a Twitter one, which I don't use at all. Um, but I also have a Facebook page. Oh, perfect. 
And they can find that through your offer website, correct? Yes, yes, I think so. Great. Well, if anybody's listening out there, um, I will be posting those links in the description of this episode so they can find you. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So when did you first start writing? Um, well, my first experience writing was a few short stories um, for like my friends and at school when we had nothing to do in breaks. And uh, believe it or not, my first short story that I wrote in my native language, Lithuanian, um, was a detective story. Oh, interesting. So you like mystery too? Oh, yes, I'd say so, yeah. Gotcha. So did you let any of your friends read your story or um, yes, uh, one of them was very liked. Um, I don't th- I don't know if I can find it anywhere around here though. I remember it was like um, a detective story about an old lady who died in her home and the detective tried figuring out what happened to her and they ended up finding out that he uh, that she died from carbon monoxide poisoning. Oh, wow! And um, the detective, um, I think my friends liked him because of this part. He said he constantly bragged to everyone at the fact that he has a wife, but no one has ever seen her. And um, he also um, constantly suspects the wrong person. So it was kind of like a comedy and inside joke by us because we, uh, one of our friends was kind of a detective and wanted to find everything out. Oh, that's really interesting. That's really neat. I love detective. Stories. I read a bunch of Mary Higgins Clark. I, any any story of hers I wrote, and then her daughter I guess started writing stories. So I started reading those. Um, started off with Nancy Drew, obviously. I think that's where everybody kind of gets their love of that. Sherlock Holmes, Nancy Drew, and the Hardy Boys. At least that's over here. <laughs> yes, Agatha Christie as well. Oh yeah, I can't forget Agatha Christie. I think my favorite one was, and then there were none. That was my favorite. One. Is it about the um, story about um, like where there were ten people, and then they like gradually ended up mysteriously dying? Yes, at that house party that nobody knew who the host was. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I remember reading that a while ago, and I remember being confused. Um, when I read it the first time, I had to reread it. It was a little confusing. I I would agree with that. I did have to read the ending times. I'm like, wait a second. <laughs> <laughs> so, but yeah, they made they made it into like a, a computer game too. Um, they've actually made a bunch of these detective stories into computer games. Pretty interesting. <laughs> so, um. So tell us a little bit of how the publishing process um, went for you. Like, when did you first decide that, you know, like, hey, I want to I want to get this book published? 
Well, um, I I gain, uh, when I like approached the sort of middle of it, I didn't realize it was the middle back then, but looking back now, it was the middle of the story. I gave um, a couple of friends to look over it and they were like, this is quite good. You should, you should publish it. And I was like, really? Because like normally they'd, um, we'd make fun of each other. So um, that was uh, really nice to hear them being supportive about it. And, I sort of gave another person who I didn't know to read it. And that person also said, it's pretty good. So um, I thought to myself, how can I like get published? I didn't know about Amazon or indie pu- uh, publishing back then. And I asked a friend who, re- uh, a friend whose brother released a novel on Amazon and um, he sort of taught me that that's possible and well uh, here we are. Oh that's awesome so are you going through like a KDP or a different indie publisher? Yeah KDP. Oh okay perfect yeah I, I like KDP a lot of indie publishers uh, or indie authors like it too it's you know not too much money up front but you know you can kind of pick your own editor your own format your own book cover all that good stuff and just kind of put it in there um so um i don't know if you've seen recently if this is something that just popped up on my dashboard like maybe a week ago but they're uh doing beta version for hardcover books right now are you going to you know possibly releasing it in a hardcover at some point i mean Nothing is out of the out of the question, really. I just want um, I just uh, found a person who can like format for um, like Kindle and for um, paperbacks. So I'll be looking into hardcovers maybe later on. Oh, great! Um, so, how much um, can a reader expect your book to be? Like, what's the price for it for the Kindle and? At this point, I'm not sure yet. I um, would probably do more sort of research, but I was uh, but thinking less than um, ten dollars, definitely. For the for the paperback. Yes. Oh, okay, okay, yeah, that sounds reasonable. <laughs> I mean, I'm not sure about the quality yet. I'll have to wait for the first reviews. Um, so um, I don't want to like overcharge people, and then they like are disappointed in it. Oh, well. Um, have you thought about um, enrolling in Kindle Unlimited? Um, I don't really know, but um, maybe in the upcoming few weeks. Okay. Well, you know, if you ever enrolled in Kindle Unlimited, basically it's for your um, Kindle version. And um, it means that Amazon will be your primary ebook distributor, but they allow readers to pretty much purchase your book, Kindle Unlimited. Kindle Unlimited is usually for free, but you get paid per page that a reader reads. So it's kind of. Oh. Yeah. 
So it might be something you might want to look into. However, it is exclusive rights for your ebook on Amazon. So you wouldn't be able to publish it, you know, with anyone else. It is the ebook version. But you can enroll in the Amazon um, extended distributing uh, distributor um, thingy. I just call it extended dis distribution, something like that. And uh, they will actually go ahead and put your ebook. They will, uh, Barnes and Nobles will be able to sell it. Oh, mm -hmm. that's yeah, interesting. If you, if you decide to do that, um, I had yeah. to find, I didn't find that out until maybe like a year ago. <laughs> so <laughs> I like to share it with uh, with authors when I can if they you know haven't heard of it. I'll be looking into it. Yeah. If, um, if there's. If there's one thing I could change about like the whole process that I've done so far is to have done more research and to have been more organized because it it, it was very chaotic and I don't think a single person in the world ha will or has ever had a more chaotic um, release. Well, I mean, I <laughs> I would say that. Um... When you first get into the publishing world, I mean, seeing your book out there is an accomplishment in and of itself. Um, later, I, when I first published my novel, I had no idea what I was doing. I just kind of went off of what a friend had told me they had done. And I was like, oh, yeah, that sounds really cool. Didn't really look into it much. And I actually relaunched my debut novel this year um, with it completely updated and in a... <laughs> say 100% better than what it was before. So there is nothing wrong if you need to uh, relaunch a book. <laughs> That's <laughs> it it's super easy because you can basically update your book whenever you want to. There is no limit on how many times you can update your book or have it reprinted or whatever you want to do, even the book cover. So, you know, if for some reason there's something that comes out that you don't like, you can just go back and fix it. And it'll be oh. within three hours. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah. So, so don't worry about it too much if you make an oopsie or anything, because you can always go back and, and re-update it. Everything. So I think that's why a lot of indie um, authors like it too, because especially with the editing process, I mean, not everybody can pay for a professional editor because sometimes that can get really pricey. But when it comes to, you know, so a lot of indie authors will self-publish and then they will edit their own stories and then come back to it later on and then update it if they find something later. So that happens a lot. I think I'll be doing that. <laughs> <laughs> it happens. I, I edit my own books. I, I'll, I'll be the first one to admit it. I can't afford to pay, you know, $10,000 to get a hundred thousand word um, book professionally, professionally developmental editing, um, proofreading, um, all pretty much every single type of edit. There's like four to six different types of edits you can get on books. Um, you know, and depending on who you go with, the prices differ. I think the cheapest I've ever seen one of my books for editing is like three thousand dollars for a hundred thousand word. Wow. Um, so I mean. It can get pretty expensive if you're trying to go professional and some people can spring for that. Unfortunately, I'm poor, so I can't, but <laughs> it is what it is. Um, but yeah, so, you know, you can always go back 
And honestly, Grammarly, if you just pay for the premium Grammarly, it's like a hundred bucks for the year or something like that. That oh. is cool. Those kind of editing tools are super helpful. If, if you don't have any, if you don't already have a professional editor. <laughs> I, I don't. Um, the, the biggest editors were my friends. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I'm, I'm assuming that your friends kind of like beta read your story too to kind of make sure it's closed. Okay. And, you know, the plot. Yes. I, I had to change a lot in it. Well, you know, that's probably good because that means that they were invested in actually helping you. Yeah, I had eight storylines and by the end of uh, their proofreading, there were two. Oh, well, that's probably good. You don't want it to be so complicated that, you know, your readers are like, hey, wait a second, I thought we were doing this thing and now we're doing this thing and we didn't wrap up that other thing. <laughs> That's probably good. You don't want it to be too com- complex. I, I'm, I get really bad with trying to make my plots too complex. And, I, and they're like, what is happening? I'm like, I don't even know anymore. <laughs> I have to go back and reread my own book. <laughs> <laughs> so um, when you were writing this story, uh, did you have any issues with like writer's block? Like did that ever become a thing? Yes, there was a, a whole period last year between um, May and uh, October where I didn't write a single word. Ugh. I've I've kind of been in that slump for a little bit <laughs> myself. <laughs> how did you How did you get out of that writer's block situation? Well. Um, I mainly uh, applied the um, same logic that I do um, with other works, like when I have an assignment about history. Um, I I can't speak for everyone, but the only thing that really helps me is kind of forcing myself to write, because no matter how bad it is, it's still writing. And uh, you can always go back and edit it if it's really, really bad. But at least in my experience, just sitting down and forcing yourself to write whatever um, kind of gets you in the mindset of writing again. I would agree. I do that to myself a lot. <laughs> Where I'm like, okay, I'm going to sit down. I'm going to write at least 500 words. Doesn't matter what it is. It could be the same word over and over again, but I'm going to write something. I'm going to put something in the journal or thought. Anything. Um, yeah, writer's block is a thing. Sometimes I just have to have a glass of wine too. That helps. <laughs> <laughs> um, generally, um, I think 10% of the writing process is inspiration and the other 90% is sitting and thinking what am I doing here I would I would agree I would agree you know what I also found to help writer's block is actually reading another book somebody somebody else wrote just reading and then sometimes you get inspiration just by reading from reading other people's work yes but um I am a person who usually gets very invested 
and things. So um, when I tried doing that, I just ended up reading the whole book and not progressing with mine. Oh, no. <laughs> well, that's, that's a little counterintuitive. <laughs> but <laughs> you saying that too. I can invest it in books too. And um, so is your book currently available for pre-order or is it just, it, it'll just be out on October 7th, you said? Um, it'll only be out on October 7th. Oh, okay. N- no pre-order. Oh, okay. Perfect. Um, you know that Amazon lets you do that, right? With pre-orders? Um, yes, I've looked into it, but um, I don't think it's um, something I would personally want to do um, before like the release day because it is a debut novel and like I just want to like test the waters and see what people think and if I like have to if I should publish the sequel which I am kind of working on right now that makes sense that makes sense um yeah um and you know if you uh ever decide to do some marketing stuff with your books uh unlimited is pretty helpful with that they allow you to do down deals and put your book free for seven days and that's something that a lot of indie authors will do when they have a series going on because it basically gets somebody picking the first book and that way they'll buy your second book whatever book in the series oh that, uh, that's interesting. I, I didn't really know that. Yeah. So when you, you know, once you have a few books established, if you're going to make it a series or not, are you just planning for a sequel or are you going to make it like a, you know, more books? I'll just generally uh, see where it leads. But um, currently um, I started working on my second one and I think that it will be twice as long as the first one. Oh, wow. Wow. So you're going from a 40,000 word to an 80,000 word. Um, it, yes, but it, it feels kind of natural because when I first started writing, I didn't write that many descriptions in the like first part, and I didn't really know where to add them. So that sort of trimmed down the story a bit. And um, in the second one, now that I've learned that, now that I've tested those waters, I think there will be way, way more. And um, I wrote the first chapter, and it's um, 4,000 words long so far. Oh, wow. Wow. That's a pretty good length for a chapter. Um, I remember when I first started writing, and I was like, I don't know how long these chapters are supposed to be. So I started looking up best-selling novels like just different books that I've read and you can actually look up the average length of their chapters um, for their word count and you can see you know how many words they had after I think uh, I think one of them I looked up was Twilight because it's so well known and it was like 4,500 words per chapter was like the average in that oh yeah (laughs) I just I (laughs) curious i was curious i wanted to know some people like longer chapters some people like short chapters and some people just like their chapters being a sentence it completely depends on the author of the story how they want to separate those chapters out 
Yes, at least for me, I think that it doesn't really depend on the length of the chapter. It depends on the content of the mm -hmm. chapter. Like if you write um, one scene, I mean, you're not going to stop in the middle of it to start a new chapter. You're going to finish that scene, no matter if it extends the chapter or not, or if it shortens. So I generally sort of go with uh, what and a little confession of mine when I wrote the, the when I wrote the first um, novel I um, I only added the chapters as the last thing oh okay so so you're saying you completely wrote the novels and then you and then you separated out the chapters is that is that what that um, yes, because when I first started writing, um, I got really invested in it. I was very inspired to write. And when I was like, I'm going to finish this chapter, I ended up not noticing that the story is now in a completely different place to where it used to be. So I just left it at that and uh, added the chapters as the last thing um, before editing. That's a really unique, a unique way of doing it. <laughs> uh, it's like basically one long, very, very long short story. <laughs> yes. That's pretty cool. I, I don't think I've ever heard of anybody doing a technique like that. <laughs> well, everyone has their own methods. Yeah. Yeah. So was it hard for you to find a natural stopping point for the chapters or was that, you know, fairly easy? Um, I generally, well, the scenes in the story, in my opinion, at least, and from what I heard from my friends, are generally very well split. So it wasn't that difficult to find a point where to stop and where to start a new chapter. Okay. Okay. So, um, is your story, is it linear or does it have like flashbacks or anything? Um, I thought about writing flashbacks at first, but I ended up not doing it because, um, well, I wasn't sure about the names and the, uh, functions of the characters. I didn't really have an outline for the story and um in the editing process after my friends looked at it i streamlined the story a lot i spoke about those eight storylines and that there are only two left at this point and i just i don't know it just felt um natural i don't write with an outline. I just create the characters and see where they go naturally. And if they go too outside of the realm of possibility, I um, sort of tone it back down and look where it went wrong. That makes sense. I tend to do that with my own stories too. I don't have outlines. I know some people are very tedious with making outlines and charts and graphs. And I'm just like... That just seems like a lot of wasted time that I could just write. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
but I know I know some people like swear by those things. So I'm taking it that you more of a. I'm just gonna write this and see where it goes. Yes. I think that's the best. Way. <laughs> in my in my completely biased opinion. <laughs> I think it. Um... It makes the story feel more natural and more organic because if you have a, an, an outline with the characters already in place, it, it sometimes can feel forced um, if something happens in the story uh, without it being natural. True. And uh, I think that's something that Neil Gaiman actually does because I remember him uh, speaking in one of those little writer conferences saying that basically he writes the whole story out and then he goes back and tries to make it make sense. Yes, I agree. That's the best method to do it. Yeah. Gosh, Neil Gaiman, man, he writes some of the craziest but fascinating things. <laughs> One of my favorite ones was Coraline. I read that when I was in middle school, and that terrified the crap out of me. <laughs> oh, is it that, um, that uh, movie? Um, the Halloween one. Yeah, they turned it into a movie, I think, back in like 2009, maybe, the uh, stop motion or whatever. Yes, yeah. yes. I didn't yeah. know it was a book, to be honest. It was. It's a very old book. It was from in middle school. It came out before then. Yeah, I, I, think, I think the book might have been in the 90s when it came out, I want to say. So. Oh. Yeah, I, I don't know exactly when that book came out, but I know it was definitely around in the 90s. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's very, very scary. <laughs> I remember um, I recommended it to a fourth grader when I was working at an elementary school. And uh, I was in the library. And I recommended it to him. He wanted to read a spooky story, and he brought it back the next day, and he's like, I can't. Oh. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Please don't tell your mom on me. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I know you said that you have a Twitter and you don't use it very often. Uh, but I would say that Twitter is actually a really good place for indie authors and publishers. So. I would suggest maybe giving it another chance. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. I'm convinced. I, I didn't think Twitter would be a great place for me because, okay, first off, I never had a Twitter or an Instagram account. I literally just started both of those for my author stuff back in February of this year. And Twitter, I was like, I, I was like, I don't even know how this works. Okay. But apparently there is a very, um, a very prolific writing community on Twitter. And if you are um, releasing your debut novel or anything like that, I would suggest using Twitter and using the hashtag writing community. Because everybody sees it. <laughs> I think I did two posts on Twitter with that hashtag. Mm -hmm. But um, the last one was in May, so... Ah, uh, gotcha. And another thing that a lot of people do on Twitter, and especially in the writing community, they do something called writer's notes. And it's basically where you can promote your book, you leave a comment, you can retweet, whatever you want to do. You, uh, you just leave a comment with 
your book, um, the title, you know, maybe a little summer, summary or like a blurb to make people interested. And then you can put the link for Amazon. And a lot of people will retreat, uh, retweet those um, and uh, actually start, you get a lot of followers that way. There are a lot of oh. people who are in epic fantasies. Um, I've, been, I've been seeing a lot more people reading them and writing them. So, yeah. Oh, that's interesting. I um, I don't think I knew all that much about the writing community Twitter because I think I um, I'll learn. I'll try learning. I mean, there's still time before the release. I'm sure there's people who are a lot more knowledgeable than I am. I am no by far no expert. I literally just try to figure things out. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever I find, I go ahead and I blog about it. <laughs> so I try, try to help everybody who's um, a new author or even, you know, even seasoned. I learned a lot of things from some seasoned authors that I've talked to. And uh, if you want to make some really nice author friends, Twitter is a really good place. Oh. Yeah. They do something, too. I actually blogged about this on my website, but they also have something called PitMad. I don't know if you've heard of that, but um, you can actually uh, look it up on, um, they got like a, a website for it. But basically it's something that happens every quarter on Twitter. And it's where new and aspiring authors try to pitch their book in under you know 150 characters or how many characters Twitter gives you. And then you just use the hashtag pitman on that certain day. And that is supposed to be the day that literary agents and publishers all look at those um, pitches. And if they like it, meaning they give you a heart, then that means that's an open invitation to submit to them. Oh. Yeah. So you might want to look into that too. I, I did it in June. I thought it was pretty cool. There were a couple of publishers or whatever, but... Um, you might do anything, but it's really fun and it's a great way to make friends because everybody's going to be like retweeting your stuff and everybody's retreating everybody else's stuff. So. Yes, I will um, look into Twitter because I generally thought it was just a site where people um, unleash their grievances into the world. Yeah, or they follow celebrities. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I, I did too. I was totally in that boat. I remember, oh my gosh, I remember when Twitter first came out and my friends were like, are you going to get a profile? Are you going to get a profile? And I was like, I don't know. Isn't it like Facebook <laughs> or MySpace at the time, whatever we had? So yeah, I Twitter is actually a, a pleasant surprise for the office. It's a, it's a pretty decent place. There's a lot of things you can learn. Trust me, I had no idea until I like really gave it a good shot. <laughs> oh, that's cool. Uh, that's cool. <laughs> yeah, but um, we're about to wrap up. Um, so, um, is there any kind of uh, tips um, or you know any advice you want to give to any new authors out there? Yes. <laughs> As cliche as it might sound, don't be scared to write. Don't be um, don't be um, spoken down to, and don't um, don't let others tell you that your story is uninteresting. Remember, Vincent Van Gogh only was recognized after he died. 
That is true. That is a good point. <laughs> um, so just for one more time, just so our listeners know, um, just let everybody know who you are again and your title of your book and when it comes out. Okay. I am uh, Christian Fischt, and I am releasing my debut novel, The Annals of Ludinia, on Amazon for Kindle and for paperback on the 7th of October. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for coming on. And um, I appreciate you telling us about your book and about your writing style. And I feel like we've talked about so much, so many things today. So. <laughs> thank you. I appreciate being on here. All right. Bye. Goodbye. I hope you all enjoyed that last episode as much as I did while creating it. My podcast is full of author interviews, book reviews, and writing and publishing tips for new and seasoned authors. Check out my author website at laureneason.com for the latest podcast episodes, blog updates, and new book releases. You can also find me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. If you have questions, suggestions, or would like for me to review a story or do an interview for my podcast, just fill out the form on my author website. Reviews and promotions are always free for fellow writers. Don't forget to sit back, relax, and enjoy the mini episodes to come every Friday.